and welcome to today's episode of Parental Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I will be in conversation with Kirsty Lilith, who is a divine channel and animal communicator who helps to give support and guidance to others. On today's episode, we will not only be exploring her personal development journey, but also her fascinating experience with the whales and how this has allowed her now to write a book. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for being here today. We've known each other a few years now and you're one of the people that I always go to if I ever need any spiritual guidance or support because you have got so many skills. But do you want to introduce to the audience who you are and what you do because it's vast? (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Debbie. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here uh, today. It's wonderful to have the opportunity to to chat and... uh, um, yeah, to share, I suppose, what it is that I do. I classify myself as a divine channel mm-hmm. and an animal communicator. So my work gets split into those two camps, although okay. they can overlap. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the channeling bit, I work with uh, people either on a one-to-one or a group basis. And I bring through guidance from their guides or from my guides. I work very much with the ascended masters and goddesses. Uh, I also do mentoring and training for people to help them on their spiritual journey, their spiritual path and learning for them to develop their own skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel that we all have psychic abilities. We all have the potential to expand and to be able to get our own guidance. And that's mm-hmm. what I try and teach. And then on the animal communicator side, I deal with animals, giving them a voice and being able to bring through information to help them in their 3D life, but then also on their spiritual journey and share past life information with owners and like why their animal is with them at the moment and in, in this lifetime. And they usually will take me back and share uh, when that soul contract was made, that lifetime mm-hmm. in which they came together and agreed to come together in this lifetime. So that's why I work with the domesticated animals. But in um, recent years, since really 2019, I've worked a lot with wild animals mm-hmm. uh, and um, work with them very much on a planetary uh, yeah. level. That why they are here that is they help us, humanity as a whole, mm-hmm. and they work very much with Gaia and um, helping us to ascend and evolve as a species. Yeah. And so I love uh, working with them and I've had the pleasure to be able to go and actually work with them in location over the last two weeks. <laughs> You've had some absolutely incredible journeys with that, haven't you? It's been quite spectacular. Yeah, on many levels. <laughs> some people might say spectacular, some people might say idiotic. <laughs> uh, it depends on your viewpoint. <laughs> I-, I swing between idiotic and inspirational. <laughs> Um, depending on what day uh, of the week it is. But yes, it was last um, last year that I had it culminated a two-year journey with the humpback whales that culminated mm-hmm. with a swimming with them in uh, Tahiti. So yep. I went all the way to Tahiti to swim with the humpback whales 
because a whale told me to. So Amazing. Yes, <laughs> a particular whale came in a couple of years previous and I'd been working with him. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted me to find him and go swim with him and to swim with the, the other whales. Um, but it takes a certain kind of person that will travel halfway around the world and hasn't even swam in an ocean before. <laughs> and is terrified of swimming in the ocean because of the sharks and then ends up um, realising that that Pacific Ocean had an awful lot of sharks in it. Because I think when you went from, I've obviously listened to you speak mm. about this before, you hadn't really thought that element of it through, especially had you, that how far you would have to swim in the no. sea. No, never thought, <laughs> as it transpired, never thought anything of it through. On a practical 3D level, um, I say I did feel quite an idiot and there was a lot of judgment that came up for me to have to go through. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest things that um, came up for me on that that retreat Mm -hmm. was that fear of judgment because it really came crashing down that how little 3D thought I had put into uh, the, the whole the whole practical side of it. Uh-huh. I had no idea that I'd be swimming up to a mile in the ocean. <laughs> I thought they would just drop me off where the whales were. Yeah. I could splash around a little bit, get back on the boat like uh-huh. it was some holiday cruise. <laughs> I had no idea the, um, the, the complex uh, practicalities for trying to get in the water mm-hmm. because there wasn't any ladders to that you could like step down or any little ledge or anything you had to try. And it was a really small boat. I had expected <laughs> a big boat. Yeah. Um, to me, it was the size of a little fishing boat. Okay. Uh, and you had to get off the side of the boat and slide yourself down the, the boat into the water, uh-huh. apparently gently without making a splash. I think I managed that <laughs> twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to go in with a loud plop. And then I hadn't appreciated the, it wasn't going to be just off the coast of the island. Mm-hmm. We were out in deep, deep ocean water. There were miles beneath us. And it was really rough. If you think of the Channel or the Atlantic, it was uh-huh. like swimming in that. Wow. To show the size of, or given the size of the waves on some days when mm-hmm. we were out. I remember looking out the boat one day and thinking, God, is that a surfboard? I was thinking, what idiot surfing on a day like this? And then I realised it was the roof of the boat, the neighbouring <laughs> boat. The waves were that high, it had yeah. engulfed the whole of the boat. And all you could see was just the roof, which looked like a, a board floating in the ocean. God. Uh, so to be in that, and I get really seasick. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I travel, well, not just seasick, just travel sick. I can't really go anywhere uh-huh. without um, being sick when I'm travelling. So to be on an boat that small at the mercy of a really rough ocean uh that involved yeah i would love to have been a fly on the wall when you arrived there and it became apparent to whoever was sort of organizing this expedition that you've got no previous experience of swimming in the sea or how any of these things were yeah that was i think a moment that none of them will forget and it waited until we were in the middle of the ocean when before she actually asked the questions. Wow. The, so I'd been uh, communicating with her for a year okay. and she hadn't thought to ask in all that time, have I swam in the ocean? Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, to be asked the questions, oh, have you swam with whales before, Kirsty? 
nice chit chat going on. So I was, oh no, he swam with the dolphins before. No, because everybody else on the retreat yeah. had swam whales and dolphins for uh -huh. years. And then she was, okay. And then she said, have you swam in the ocean before? And that was when everybody stopped talking on the boat and they were all focused on me. And it was a moment I never will forget and I don't think they will. And mm -hmm. then it, you have snorkeled before though, haven't you? And I thought it was best probably not to say at that point, I'd only just grabbed my mask and fins from a dive shop about a week before I travelled. <laughs> so the answer was no. But I realised why it was her that had to do uh, the, the retreat. Okay. Because, um, yeah, she was quite a character. Mm -hmm. Not really, I would say, the most grounded person in the 3D okay. reality, which was great because I realised nobody else would have let me in that water. Yes. Because <laughs> I was the biggest liability <laughs> that there's nobody else, I think, on this planet that would have agreed to let me in the water. Mm -hmm. um, but she did. I got past a little float about a foot long. And apparently that was going to save my life and, and be okay. Uh, and it was amazing. I think I got a lot of additional help from my guides and uh -huh. probably everybody else's guides to keep me alive. Amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, when I think of what I accomplished and what I achieved, I'm blown away myself. Mm -hmm. It really uh, is inspirational. I yeah. find it absolutely amazing. See, rewinding a little bit, you said obviously you've been communicating with this whale. For anybody that doesn't do this sort of work, how does that even occur? I didn't even know that uh, occurred neither <laughs> until I sat down to do some work one morning. Uh -huh. And as I opened my energy and extended it just to, to connect with who, whatever work I was doing, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, my God, there's a huge whale here. Um, and they have the ability to be able to energetically connect with me no okay. matter where their physical location oh, yeah. So the same as guides are floating around, they can connect with you energetically. Right, I found okay. animals uh, do because I've had animals from all over the world mm -hmm. connect with me from the wild or in captivity uh, to be able to speak to me and for me to help them in yeah. some uh, respect. So this whale came in and uh, he said, I want to connect with you. So I did and he connected me with, whales all around the globe it was just the most phenomenal experience to and he showed it like webs of light as all connecting up mm -hmm. uh, and then hearing their sounds and their music and their dialects that they yeah. it, it was very very emotional very moving and so he did that and he said we are going to work together and he came in just a couple of days later and said I want you to come and swim with me. I need you to find me. Wow. Yeah. And then just amazingly, so I just said, you want me to find you one whale in the entire ocean? I was going to say, how on earth do you go about that? <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, so I just said, well, you want me to find you one whale in the entire ocean? He just went, yep. And then left. I was like, oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving you any more specific, not even a rough area at that stage. <laughs> no. I have to say, his, uh, his guidance, uh, yeah pretty slim <laughs> and that was all he gave me and um, I thought okay uh, so I reached out to I asked for some guidance and said look you're gonna have to help me out here guys so I got guided to reach out with a woman in America that I've worked with okay uh, and just said uh, luckily she knew how I worked so it mm -hmm. didn't sound too crazy yeah uh, and I said I've been given this 
guidance, this whale I know mm-hmm. is a humpback. Where do I start? And then she said, contact this woman. Here's her email address. Here's her website. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I looked on her website, uh, she is uh, from Hawaii. Right. And um, that she was doing a retreat, I think, the following month uh-huh. in uh, Tahiti. And um, we were staying on an island uh, called Morea which is uh, the next largest one to Tahiti. It's okay. French Polynesia, the islands. And um, when I looked at that retreat and she said about the whale that she worked with, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, that's my whale. And he was called Nagwell. Mm-hmm. And, well, he is called Nagwell. Or, as the Americans say, much posher, Nagwal. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds much better when they say it. And there's me with my uh, common British accent. No, it's Nagwell. <laughs> so Nagwell sounds much posher. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I saw his name and him, I was like, that's my boy. That's who I'm working with. So then I had the name for him. And when I contacted her, she said, because um, I thought if, there's a, if I'm meant to be there, a space will open up. Yeah. And she said, oh, interesting that you contact just now. She said, I only made the decision a couple of days ago. Yeah to move the retreat to the following year and because of that a place has become available do you want it incredible yeah. so all this uh, divine guidance uh-huh. and divine timing uh, and that was how i got booked on the retreat amazing so obviously you get there and you're there to work clearly because you're like me you often get taken to different places different circumstances to do some work so what was your reason for going to work with the whales um the it's good that you asked this because, as you know, our work, then we do something and then it's gone and then you're straight on to the next thing and then mm-hmm. the next thing. It is amazing to be able to reflect on this because, pardon me, I forget, yep. the uh, Nagwal had come through, but it was actually uh, one of my main guys, which is Yeshua, Jesus. Mm-hmm. He came through uh, when after Nagwal had first come through and he said that my work with Nagwal is to do with the divine it's to do with the divine feminine, the divine masculine. Mm-hmm. And he said that you are going to be the divine feminine vessel. He's going, Nagwell's going to be the divine masculine. And he said, you are coming together in person uh, to be able to birth the divine masculine back onto this planet. Oh, how amazing. I know. At that point, I went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> little task. <laughs> um, some little person, little task. I was like, oh, my God. Um, so yeah, something to me just massive having that opportunity mm-hmm. to to bring that divine masculine energy back onto and to birth it. As you will probably be aware, the divine masculine needs to be birthed mm-hmm. by the divine feminine. The same as in any feminine thing, we are the creation. Yeah, we are the creators. It has to be birthed through us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they needed my physical body. Yeah. Um, and I like to think. I was thinking, surely there must have been a lot more um, appropriate, more trained, more beneficial people to ascend halfway round the world. <laughs> and I keep on getting back in the nicest possible way. But again, not many would have said yes like you do. It's <laughs> nearly like saying we don't know as many idiots like you that would just go and do it. They would have come up with a. They might have been better trained in uh, this ocean swimming bit. Mm-hmm but not necessarily in the other, and the willingness just to follow the divine yeah. uh, r- regardless. So, yeah, I knew, didn't know what was going to take place. Mm-hmm. I just knew that. So in the first week, when it got up to, like, the mission day 
of because uh, Nagwal just guided me through each day what he wanted me to do, and it yeah. was a a leader to then that divine union moment. Wow! Uh, and then in the second week, I was working on balancing the mm-hmm. energies between the feminine and the masculine on the collective. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a lot of work on that mm-hmm. um, going on. So pretty amazing. The, Sounds incredible. Yeah. And I think it's what I always find really, well, inspirational, I keep saying inspirational, is just that trust. So all of a sudden you've been given this guidance and you are going to say, right, okay, I'm going to find the resources to do this. I'm going to travel halfway around the world and I'm going to fulfil this mission. Um, most people wouldn't do that, like you say. I think that's that shows an awful lot of, strength within you and a lot of bravery as well but having that faith and trust that actually everything's going to be okay you're going to be where you need to be doing what you need to be at that given time yeah um thank you uh, for that <laughs> that is i think that's maybe why i didn't do much thinking be beforehand and it wasn't a conscious decision mm-hmm. uh, that's why it kind of it struck me when i was there i was like oh my god what idiot wouldn't think about these things <laughs> Because it honestly, it wasn't. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just following the whale. Yeah. And whatever he said, I just uh, did. Mm-hmm. Um, even in all the tasks leading up to going to Tahiti, I was just thinking, oh, I can't believe that when stuck in the, the bottom of a ditch, sort of chased in there by cows, because <laughs> I was trying to collect water samples from... I that. That was not my finest moment. Because <laughs> you've done a lot of work on the water, haven't you? Yeah. In different areas, so balancing yes. and healing the water. That's it. So he had me working very much with the water on the year or so leading up to to, to going there. So it all kind of was culminated and all working together. Um, but, yeah, when I look back and I think, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that I did it. And just getting over the, not getting over the seasickness, but what... I'd worked with an EFT practitioner before going to uh, try and uh, get to the bottom, the root cause of my motion Mm -hmm. sickness. And as you will relate to, obviously not this world. It was was, relates back to off world stuff, previous lifetimes and then the trauma of coming here and leaving my planet, my Mm -hmm. family and all of that kind of. Uh, the stuff that then resulted in this motion sickness but it wasn't until I was actually on the boat in the middle of the ocean that I knew any of it was going to work yeah and it was quite traumatic getting into the ocean that first time Mm -hmm. and apparently most people have really bad panic attacks getting into that what they call the deep blue where you literally can see nothing Mm -hmm. um it's like the ocean's nearly black you can't see anything and you're just aware of miles beneath you Mm -hmm. most people really struggle with that because of the fear it brings yeah. up. I was too busy trying to breathe <laughs> <laughs> to bring up the, the whole fear and just like get used to it. Um, got back on the boat. I'm, I, I was so sick. I just threw up for hours. Um, and at that point, I thought, you can find some other Muppet to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting back on this boat ever <laughs> or any other yeah. boat in the world. And I'd made that decision, but it was during that night when I realized that. I had surrendered my life a couple of years ago to the divine and I'd surrendered free will mm-hmm. and I lived by divine will um, every day. And when I realized that remembering came back in, I thought, yeah, even if I throw up every single day, I'm getting back on that boat mm-hmm. and I am completing my mission. 
And so I did. And I just got the guidance through the following day. I have to surrender to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Part of the being sick on on the boat was trying to control the boat, trying to control yeah. the ocean and the movement and stuff. And once I got that guidance and every day, mm-hmm. as soon as I was on the boat, I just surrendered to her and surrendered yeah. to the ocean. And it, I wasn't sick again. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing. Didn't know that until the end of the retreat. Yeah. Every day involved that surrendering, that trust um, to an even greater degree. And mm-hmm. because of that, uh, my um, I, I was not uh, not sick and we were in some really rough water. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. And I think it's incredible what you said, like following that sort of divine will, because I know I do all sorts of energetic missions as well. And if I talk to lots of people about it, they would think I was absolutely crazy. Um, because it's obscure a lot of the time some of the things that we do and luckily we've got such a great community of fellow people around us fellow beings (laughs) that go and do all of these weird and wonderful things and I love it I wouldn't wish for anything else sort of but I think unless we sort of share these stories it's so far out there most people can't relate so this is why I love having these conversations Mm. because I think it gives people those other perspectives that there are lots of people in the world doing lots of these interesting and unusual yeah. things or with that positive intention of helping and serving the planet the animals yeah. the people and i think that's great and i know since you've done that work with the whales you've been getting yourself out there more and more in terms of what you're sharing with other people i've seen on your social media you're sharing a lot more but you've also been in a very exciting you've had an exciting journey creating a book yeah so what's yeah. been going on with that Oh, that has been, I'm now reframing it as an incredible journey (laughs) as opposed to the most uncomfortable journey and process I've ever been Mm -hmm. through. Uh, So I'm reframing it as incredible because when I got back from the Wales um, alive, amazing, (laughs) Nagel came through and said, I want you to write about the journey and I want you to write it down. And I was like, okay. And he says, because I want it published. I want it published in the book. (laughs) Um, and I thought, yeah, that's okay. That's I can do that. That's doable. So I started writing it last November, mm-hmm. and it was about uh, it was beginning of May. It was in the April time. I got told, find yourself a publisher because I was. I'd say I'd written probably two thirds of my journey with the whales, yeah. uh, and it was uh, my my story, my journey with them all, and I was just going through, nearly finishing the Tahiti kind of bit. Uh, and it just needed that completion. And he mm-hmm. says, right, okay, you need to find yourself a, a publisher. And so I got guided to go to a particular publisher, had my meeting, my initial meeting, signed on with, with them. I had the meeting with the uh, head of the editing department, mm-hmm. and she completely turned the uh, proposal of the book on its head. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. And I had my... My guides coming in and were saying, yes, this is the book we want you to write. And basically her concept was the story with the whales was um, was good, but it was an example that she wanted me to teach and then show by example of how I live like that. So teach and to share those teachings, then show by example. So to have um, half a personal story, half actual um uh, non-fiction as in helping other people yep. on their journey 
I could see the value in that, mm-hmm. had no idea what that <laughs> involved. And my guides were not helpful at all. Every time I said, well, what do you want me to write about? Mm-hmm. They just said, you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yes. So I was, so I was completely gone into a, a turmoil, a whirlwind from like that May. Thinking, what do you want me to write? And I kept on getting the same answer. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And it took me that summer because it didn't help that once I reached May, I was traveling quite a lot with work um, mm-hmm. stuff until the end of, uh, until mid-July. So I didn't have much gap in yeah. between time to write or to figure it out. And the downside of having a publisher is then you are um, committed to dates. Yes. So I had to have completed my manuscript to be sent out to beta readers by the end of August. Mm-hmm. So... I came back mid-July um, with not really having written much more than what I had oh. on the journey of the whales. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Yeah. I've, I'm on a deadline here. And it wasn't that I was um, running away from it and not wanting to. Uh-huh. I didn't have the time. And I wasn't getting any kind of inspiration of going. And I knew it was about teaching how I live. And teaching how to live in accordance in uh, in accordance with the divine, mm-hmm. in connection with your own divinity, and embodying that, and really bringing it down into um, the physical yeah. reality. So I was grasping that, mm-hmm. but then I still wasn't getting much clearer on what the hell to write. So, and also I wasn't getting the space. And even when I came back in July, mm-hmm. because I was straight back into clients again, I wasn't getting the space during the day. And they just gave me that guidance. They said, just use pockets of time. And so I was in between clients. I'd have, say, an hour. Mm-hmm. And I would sit for like half an hour and write a paragraph yeah. or write two paragraphs. And so it was literally the book got written in those tiny little pockets. Wow. And then I got the guidance, and I have to say there was a little bit of resistance to this mm-hmm. when they said, set your alarm for 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't fancy that. <laughs> no. So I have to say there was a bit of resistance going on with that one. But I knew, um, it, I didn't, time-wise, it didn't last too long. It only lasted a few hours, that resistance, because I could see when else was the book going to get written. Yeah. So I then, and I would only do it, say, four times a week mm-hmm. because... I was still running a full-time business yeah. Uh, and I would get up at two in the morning and that's how the book got written because I could write a chapter and then so I would think of a title of what mm-hmm. I was going to talk about uh, and then I would allow that information to come through and then also I had uh, a lot of my guys that I work with they came forward and they said we want to channel um, information through mm-hmm. you as well so I had five ascended masters and five goddesses that came forward and they have channeled a chapter each um, in that. So that was not anticipated. They came through and they said, so the the, the book is very much kind of in three parts. So each section will have a teaching part about whatever Mm -hmm. uh, subject I'm talking about. Then um, an ascended master or goddess will share their viewpoint on that particular aspect. And then I will share as part of my personal journey how I have tried to follow that or embody it. Mm-hmm. And it's about the different aspects of um, living in this way, which is like trusting, uh, surrendering, uh, letting go of control, 
mm-hmm. at fear how do we like live and let go of the, the fear that we uh th- that we have um that joy how do we bring the joy mm-hmm. uh into our life and i've gone through those what i consider the different aspects of how we embrace our own divinity and um that source essence within us mm-hmm. that's amazing i think that's I really love the way that it's got your story interwoven within it, but also all of that information, and that guidance, because we do need that guidance. Yeah. I think you are very in tune and you're very connected with various guides that come to you. But then a lot of individuals that are perhaps not so far along that journey might have an awareness that they've got a guide with them and perhaps they're, they're getting like a tingly sensation or they feel a certain way, but they don't necessarily know how to interpret those messages mm. at that deeper level. So for you to be able to do that is going to help them to understand what they need to do next yeah um that's what i try because one of my one of the chapters is about how people can connect with their own guidance Mm -hmm. to connect with their guides and uh, to start receiving that and then seeing also a lot of people that you tend to see the finished product when you're working with people or when you see people Mm -hmm. um at shows or you work with them um as uh, your therapist or whatever that you see them as the finished product. You don't see the journey that they have taken Mm -hmm. and what they have gone through. So I've tried to share from my spiritual awakening a lot of uh, some of the, I haven't uh, gone through in all detail, and I think that would be about five volumes worth of books, but to share that you don't suddenly become an ascended master overnight, and I'm not suggesting I am an ascended master, but you don't reach that level. There's a degree, there's a path that you have to follow. And I'm at where I am in, in my mm-hmm. journey, but I didn't start there. Um, and so I try to share. And it's not easy when you're quite a quiet person, quite reserved, to share and allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be open mm-hmm. to the crap stuff that you've gone through in life, yep. the personal stuff, uh, the breakdowns, the marriage breakdowns mm-hmm. and all things like that to open up and to share publicly about that that it went from the first time I tried I managed a paragraph <laughs> and it was amazing all that shit got covered in one paragraph yeah uh, and then um it ended up it was it's been a long kind of chapter mm-hmm. because it needed to be shared in detail yeah. for people to understand that it's okay to go through really tough mm-hmm. times and to go through really dark stuff in your life and know that it's okay yes absolutely and I think that's so important. And I can really relate to what you're saying because I've been writing my book for a while and I'm not as far ahead of the process as where you are. And I think you've done amazingly to get it done in the time frame you have. Mm. But I found that writing those vulnerable points really hard um, because I was having to unpick everything that happened, almost having to relive it again, re-experience it in my mind to be able to put it down. Because I think we often go through those traumatic experiences and then we shift on, we heal, we do what we need to do next. But having to revisit them, perhaps from a different viewpoint, can be very cathartic. But also it can bring up a lot more stuff as well. So I think the fact that you had to do that in a very quick sort of space of time to have it ready is absolutely incredible. Because I know for me, I had to keep stepping back because I was like, whoa, this is really hard going. Mm. So I think the fact that you just had a deadline, you're like, right, we've got to get it done for these beta readers. And you've gone for it, I think is phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Because it can, it's, it's very triggering. Like you say, you're having to relive it yeah. and and go through. And also to be able to write about it, you're not writing about it 
or reliving it from the perspective of where you are now, you're having to go back in to what it was like at the time yes. and go through all of uh, that, which is, like you said, it's not easy to no. do because we've healed, we've moved past a lot of mm-hmm. that, we've let it go. But to get it down on paper so people, our readers can feel yeah. what went on on uh, d- during that time, mm-hmm. you have to remember and dive back into all the emotions and all the darkness and all the tragedy and the heaviness and yeah. that what you, uh, you you went through and it's, it's I struggled um, with that bit whereas talking about the stuff that I know now and from the perspective of where I am now much easier because it's yeah. more you present uh-huh. uh, whereas you, you have to start and uh, the, the beginning mm-hmm. because I believe in in all of my uh, my work is in sharing the truth yes because I feel that I don't like to make out I'm more really a shiny happy person and everything's good mm-hmm. all of the time because that's not reality and I never pretend that I know more than anybody else no I believe in keeping it real absolutely and keeping it authentic mm-hmm. uh, because we are all in a work in progress definitely and I think that's so important to remember that, isn't it? And mm. sort of releasing judgment on ourselves and others as well. That we're all doing our best where we can, yeah. uh, where we're at at the moment, and we carry on learning and healing and growing and evolving. And I think it's a really brave thing that you've done, writing that journey down. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know how far we're going back, but have you always been into stuff like this? Or was there something that happened that sort of initially woke you up almost to sort of these spiritual realms? Yeah, um, I've always been different, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of us have, right from being a child, that I've yeah. always known, right from being a, a child growing up, that I was the oldest person in the house, uh-huh. uh, and I always knew that, and I knew it was wrong, what was going on yeah. in the house and how I was being brought up, and I knew I was the oldest um, person, the much wiser mm-hmm. person, and I've never kind of fitted in, uh, but... I didn't know I was capable of any of this stuff or this is what I'd signed up for until it was 2014 that I had uh, what I now know is a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was when my life completely got decimated (laughs) to uh, a pile of ash. And that was then when they they were, I then ended up getting the message a little while later. Yeah, that was the end of that path, by the way, when it was like the pile of ash, like, with a little smoke coming out of it. I was like, ah, that was what all that dark stuff uh, was. And then it was like, yeah, because we want you now on on this path. This is the path okay. that you've chosen at this particular point. And that was then when I started to open up to spiritual uh, mm-hmm. stuff because I had a complete breakdown. Okay. And uh, while waiting for an NHS counsellor, mm-hmm. I uh, found a private therapist who happened to be in spiritual stuff. Oh, wow. So she was into shamanic. Um, mm-hmm. practices she was into angelic reiki so she opened me up to a whole different world yeah and um that was what started me on on this path and my lot i got the impression very quickly they wanted me fast tracked through a lot of the stuff so i felt i had a big hand behind me most of the time yeah. pushing me uh so it went from doing reiki to then studying counseling because i knew that just deep down a lot of people that I was working with and um, that I was going to be working with on a one-to-one 
Mm -hmm. I didn't want them leaving me worse than what they came to. So I did a couple of year counselling course. So Mm -hmm. I have confidence in what I say and how I say it, that I am not going to make people's lives worse Mm -hmm. through through being with me. I trained a lot in mediumship uh, because uh, even though I don't, uh, very rarely work these days with what I classify as dead people yeah. <laughs> and then uh, people's loved ones that are passed mm-hmm. over to spirit. I don't tend to work at that vibration, but I needed that complete confidence in what I was getting yeah. and the validation of the information I was getting to be, because where I work now, there's nobody to give me that validation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can completely understand why I had to do so much of the uh, studying and the mediumship mm-hmm. Uh, realm to get me to where I am now that's amazing I think that really resonates with what you've just said that obviously I do some quite specific energy work and there is nobody else that I know of that does quite the same as me so there isn't that guidance there so I think having that underpinning of the different therapeutic knowledge the different skill set there is really important to build up those foundations and that understanding and just your confidence within yourself because well you have to rely on yourself when you're doing these things don't you so I think that's well, that's it, because uh, you say that you need that complete confidence in yourself and trust in what you're getting, mm-hmm. uh, because this isn't an exact science, any <laughs> of this stuff, that there's uh, no place within your energy field that mm-hmm. um, all this information gets um, downloaded into. Yeah, We have to be able to trust what we're getting mm-hmm. and to, to believe it and, sh- and know that it is right. Yeah. It's not, I'm not saying everything is 100% accurate, nothing mm-hmm. um, it is that, but you, you need that trust within yourself and what you're getting, and that is by getting that that proof, and Spirit will always bring that proof uh, to you, but I've found the further you go on your path, you have to walk that path alone mm-hmm. before you will get some kind of validation, some yeah. proof that you are not like got one foot in uh, the camp of a mental institution and not <laughs> going completely crazy uh, and they will then provide that validation mm-hmm. but we we need to be prepared to walk on the path and I think it's it is a difficult path to walk on isn't it because like you said there's still a lot of people that would think you may be a little bit mentally unstable with some of the things that come through and we know that's not the case mm. at all and um, but it's so far removed from sort of the 3D everyday reality where people get up, they get dressed, they go to work, yeah. they prepare their food, they go to bed. Um, so you've actually done that journey. Like you say, you've really fast-tracked it and gone very quickly. Um, yeah. Considering really it's, what, less than 10 years ago that that yes. all started happening for you. That's it. And you're so right in the what we do compared to a lot of other people's reality. And what I found difficult in a way because I've never fitted in mm-hmm. when I found the spiritual world and that spiritual world, I was like oh my goodness I fit in yeah and they were like no we don't want you staying here you, yes. you're on your, <laughs> you, you need to we want you shifting here you want me to move now I was like no I don't want to leave these lovely people and I'm the same a little bit because yeah. I'm like oh I like being in this group it's that security it's yeah. that belonging and I think I've had to reconcile with uh, a lot of the work that I have to do I have to do independently because it's very specific. But then I can come back with other individuals like you, like Trudy, like lots of other of our friends that all are walking our own path, but we can share those experiences and still provide that community and that support as and when we need it, even though we're sort of fulfilling different roles. That's what I love about um, Spirit 
that even though we don't fit into what I would call the more normal spiritual aspects mm-hmm. of um, of what people are doing, what they experience, they bring us together. That even though it's only a small group, they yep. bring people together that um, work on the more um, crazy side of life. <laughs> <laughs> The, so you don't feel so alone yeah. because it is a very lonely path mm-hmm. and we do so much of the work on on our own and I feel that that they do bring us t- together with um with people that are working equally at um at that aspect that that level the the not the normal yeah. um side that it's uh, that leading edge mm-hmm. uh, and pushing those boundaries and being asked to do um quite crazy uh stuff that involves a lot of trust yes um and uh yeah trust in the the divine our guidance and what we do and i love that i do have a network only mm-hmm. small network you know a couple a handful of people yeah that you can share this stuff with mm-hmm. because it makes you feel less alone yeah. and a little less crazy mm-hmm. but i think at whatever level people are sort of spiritually I would probably just like to highlight as well there are far more out of us out there at whatever different levels doing whatever we need to be doing than I think most people realize because mm. I think we often keep it quiet we sort of tend to be in the shadows a little bit just minding our own business doing our own thing and I'm so glad we're doing things like on this podcast talking about it openly because I know there's lots of people that will resonate and think oh actually I've had this awareness or this yeah. happens to me or I've had these experiences but when you are doing it alone, you don't realise how many others there are and how much yeah. more of a normal experience it is to whatever level than what we're sort of led to believe. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, that I have been guided, so I try and be as open as I can about the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And like this year, I've tried to be more open on social media about what it is that I do. I talk at the shows the same as what you do because it is more other people have experiences that, uh, they feel they're going to be judged if they talk about the amount of people that I um, talk to that they go, oh, well, I can share this with you because you won't judge me. Yes. I was even um, having, sorry, completely around, my first ever tattoo last week. Yep. And uh, at the tattooist, mm-hmm. and he happened to ask, because I knew he would, what do you do, Kirsty? <laughs> so I shared with him about what I do. Well, that was it. He was saying, well, I can share with you. I saw my mother after she had died, and I swear to God, I did see it was her. I wasn't making it up, no. And I was able to talk to him about that. Yeah. And there was other things that had happened to him that I don't think he had shared with anybody before. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, no judgment, a non-spiritual person. He wasn't aware of all yeah. of this, but he'd had these experiences. And if I hadn't been open about what I did, I could have just said, oh, I'm a therapist. Yes. Uh, and just categorize in that and not talk about what I did um, and then also with the shows that you meet that people they'll come to you and they'll say I'm so pleased that you shared about that because oh my god that happened to me Aww. and I didn't want to share it with anybody because I thought I was maybe making it up yeah and it does help people to understand this is normal and I think you're right there's so many people that do have experiences or do mm-hmm. um are aware of things but then they feel they're going to be judged if they talk about it because yeah. there's still so many lifetimes that we're healing of where we have been persecuted and killed mm-hmm. for being in our truth, for being yeah. in our power. And so 
there's so much fear that still needs to be cleared and healed Mm -hmm. within all of us and that's what we're having to try and get over that um resistance to 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 voice these Mm -hmm. things and that's where a lot of the a lot of why people keep quiet yes absolutely and i found that very much with the work that i do the therapeutic work i obviously work with people on all levels of their well-being but i've had a lot of people over the last couple of years coming that are clearly very spiritual some of them know it some of them are just starting to step into that but a lot of it has been that past life clearing of those Mm. previous traumas that have needed to be shifted and to be healed and it's amazing how deep rooted they are yeah and how much they hold people back even within this lifetime that's it they don't understand um that it seems i didn't until working with it that how powerful this past past life stuff and the experiences Mm -hmm. that we've had and how they are still with us at a uh, DNA level, mm-hmm. the cellular level. That, and until we acknowledge them and recognize that we've got that block, and then see where things that are happening in this lifetime, where it comes from, yeah, and what we're being asked to do, and it can really um, um, hold people back, as you say, and be debilitating, without them not realizing where the uh, the, the source comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think your book's going to be so positive for people. I, I can't wait for it to be released. When is it getting released? 8th of February next oh, year. So, so that's not very long away. No, it's amazing. I had a meeting last week with the um, about the formatting mm-hmm. of it because it's now been formatted, the book. It looks like a proper book. Oh, how exciting. I'm so, it totally looks just like a proper mm-hmm. book and how it's all been formatted. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. and. Uh, my designer is working on the cover uh, mm-hmm. at the moment so that's the next bit that's going to be complete and then it's um, it's going it's available on Amazon it'll be available as a Kindle or in paperback uh-huh. uh, so mid-January it goes off to Amazon and that's the last I see it until the uh, launch date on the 8th of Feb mm-hmm. so I, th- I thought when I chose the 8th of Feb that gave me loads of time I didn't realise the detail and what's involved from when you finish the manuscript to then what's involved after that bit. Uh, I suppose there's so many steps, isn't there, to actually get it to that publication. That's it. I thought 8th of February launch day, maybe I have to finish it by Christmas, maybe January. (laughs) So a bit of an eye-opener, but it has been an incredible process and learning about all the different steps of the publishing Mm -hmm. process, let alone the writing of it and it's been wonderful as I've been going through with the formatting and approving that and reading actually some of the bits that I put and I just think oh my god I wrote that it's amazing isn't yeah. it yeah because it's so it seems so long ago now because mm-hmm. things have shifted on and I've done yeah. it so much more and I think oh my god I wrote that mm-hmm. and I can read it actually doesn't sound too bad oh well done <laughs> we're so proud of you it's great thank you <laughs> so we're almost at the end of today's episode so before you go have you got any final words or insight that you would like to leave our listeners with um i think all i want to say is for everyone is just like to follow their own path that we're all on a unique individual path there is no right or wrong and to, to be open to whatever guidance you get and to wherever your journey takes you that by sharing these stories like from myself and from all the other people that you have interviewed 
that's their path like Mm -hmm. this is like my path but I think by sharing these stories it gives um hopefully the insight and the inspiration of seeing what's possible that anything's possible Mm -hmm. uh I consider myself quite an ordinary person and I have in this lifetime of getting the opportunity to do the most extraordinary things and I feel that everybody has that ability uh, within them and I think that we're really being asked to open up to the possibility that it's we only place limits on ourselves mm-hmm. there is no limits in this universe in the divine we um and to understand that it's us that places those limits on us so when we realize we're we're limitless mm-hmm. and we're expansive and I feel that all of us are being asked to fly amazing I love that thank you so much so just quickly um, if anybody wanted to contact you, if they wanted to book an appointment in with you, where do they find you? Um, my website is probably the best mm-hmm. um, place to find me, which is Uh, they I'm also on social media, again, under Kirsty Lilla, but they can contact me through Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so those three options are the best uh, place to get in contact. Brilliant. So your book is getting released on the 8th of February. And if anybody's looking that up, what's it going to be called? That has not been released yet. Oh, yes. how exciting. You'll have yeah. to let me know then yeah. as soon as you've decided. That will, um, I uh, it's I know what it's going to be called, but it will be revealed before uh, the launch or just before the launch. Oh, how so exciting. That's, yes, that's being kept under wraps. Lovely. Uh, so people just follow you on social media and then they'll be able to find out yes. just before. Yeah, it will all be uh, yeah on social media, on my email subscription list. That's where all the information will be uh, will be coming out about the book release, about when the um, the book title is going to be mm-hmm. revealed, and then how people can get on board with everything that's going to happen on launch date. Amazing! Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for being here today, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Yeah. Take care, and I shall speak to you again soon. Thank Bye-bye you. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. If you would like to find out more about the therapies that we provide and the training we offer, please visit our website www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. You can also find us on social media.